I want to read several verses from Psalm 119. We read much of it already this morning, but I want to read some specific verses and establish the essence of what David was trying to communicate here. So Psalm 119, we'll begin reading with verse number 47. We're going to jump down and down and down and down, and it won't take you very long to figure out where we're headed here. Psalm 119, verse 47. I will delight myself in thy commandments, which I have loved. My hands also will I lift up unto thy commandments, which I have loved, and I will meditate in thy statutes. Verse number 97. Oh, how I love thy law. Oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Verse number 113. I hate vain thoughts, but thy law do I love. Verse number 127. Therefore, I love thy commandments above gold, yea, above fine gold. Verse number 159. Consider how I love thy precepts. Quicken me, O Lord, according to thy loving kindness. Verse 163. I hate and abhor lying, but thy law do I love. Verse 167. My soul hath kept thy testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. It's not very difficult to figure out where we're going after reading that many verses, saying the exact same thing. Title of this morning's message, Do You Love a Book? Do You Love a Book? Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would lead us now. We are not here by accident, but by your grace. And it seems to us that your grace would not allow time to fall to the ground and be wasted. And we ask that it would not be so, for we are so desperately in need of thee. So we ask that your spirit would move us forward, teach us to love thy law, to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, body, and strength. Father, we are grateful for the knowledge of your working in our hearts. Do so this morning, we ask, in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I don't know about you, but I really like old books. When Carol and I were on vacation after we dropped Macy and Kelly off at school, we stayed in a little rental house. It was called the library. And no kidding, every, every wall in that house was covered in bookcases. And every shelf on those, in those bookcases were covered in books. I didn't count them, but I'm guessing somewhere between five and 10,000 books in this house, that was their decorating scheme, was old books. I like old books. But it is interesting to note that most books, now no pun intended here, have a very short shelf life. No pun intended, but that's the truth. Books, generally speaking, have a very short shelf life. The information they contain at that moment they were printed may be valuable, but before long, that it is information only, and it's only for curiosity or for historical purposes. They just don't last 
Books just don't last. For instance, if you were going to start a business in today's global economy, would you read a book from the 1930s entitled How to Start a Dry Goods Emporium? You think that would be a total waste of time. If you wanted to get a job programming apps for the newest iPhone, would you read the book from 1984 called Introduction to Basic Computing? You would say, those, those do not compute together. If your house needs redecorating, do you look through House Beautiful from 1990? Do you do toll painting, if anybody remembers that? You see, all of these books at the time were valuable, but they have a very short shelf life. Very short, useful life. One of the proofs of the inspiration of the Bible is its adaptability. Written thousands of years ago, yet when you read it, it fits your life like it was just written. No other book does that. All the other books are like, why would I even read that? But the Bible, as you read it, feels like it was just written today. It is adaptable. A few years back, a professor at one of the local colleges told the students, what I teach you now will not be true in five years. Boy, that's a little rough, isn't it? You get a four-year degree, and you have a one year to use it before it's no longer, <laughs> no longer viable information. The, the textbooks there would be almost expired before you got a chance to even read them. Those books are that way because they are based in man who is continually changing. But since the Bible is based in the Word of God, is the Word of God, and it's based in God Himself, He's unchangeable. And so are His truths. It makes the Bible relevant for this moment. Now, down through history, men have learned to love the Bible. For the impact that it has in their life, people have loved the Bible. It's interesting. The reasons that they love the Bible, even if they lived 500 years ago, will be the same reasons that we have today. In the 30 years that I have been preaching, I have preached multiple times on why I love the Bible. Now, down through those years, my, my understanding and my appreciation has deepened. But my reasons for loving the Bible have changed very little. And those reasons for loving the Bible would be the exact same reasons that you have and be the exact same reason that a guy 500 years would love the Bible. In fact, the song that we rang, the first song that we sang this morning was basically preaching the message because we, the Bible has not changed and the, what it does in our life does not change and it causes us to love it. Now, that's not really the point of this message. Why we love it is not the point, but... Let us consider why God's people have loved the Bible down through the ages. Now, this won't be an exhaustive list, but it'll get us at least the high points. Number one reason why we love the Bible is because it reveals the way to heaven. We love the Bible because it reveals the way to heaven. For most Christians, apart from maybe the major Bible stories that you might have heard 
and apart from maybe you learned the Lord's Prayer and you said that, but for most people, the first actual real contact they had with the Scripture was when someone showed them how to come to Christ, how that they could come, go to heaven uh, because of the finished work of the Lord Jesus. Some were busy searching for God in all the wrong places. Some were totally oblivious to the gospel when it first came to them. Some, like many people sitting in this room today, have the happy situation of not even, hardly even remembering life before you knew the gospel. That is a very happy situation, by the way. If you're in that situation, that is a very happy situation for you to be in. But each of us who know the Lord had our hearts drawn to him as we heard that wondrous story of our Redeemer. How that God sent his son into the world, born as a human baby. That he lived a perfect life on this earth and he died on a cross, not for his sin, but the sins of the whole world. For my personal sin, Christ died on the cross. He purchased my pardon and then offered as a free gift to all who would believe. You know, we love the Bible for this. Because now our souls rest comfortably in these very familiar words. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 5.8, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 10.9 and 10, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Romans 10.13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. And as I quoted those verses, I saw mouths all over the, the auditorium saying those verses at the same time. Why? Because you heard those verses many years ago, some of you. And all of that time now your soul has been resting in the finished work of Jesus Christ. How do you know of Christ? Because the Bible, it showed us the way to heaven. And we love it for that reason. The second reason, we love it because it reveals our way to heaven, but it, we love it because it, it reveals or tells us what is expected of us. It tells what is expected of us. We love the Bible because it tells us what is expected of us. When I was in elementary school, I used to build models. It was a big thing to do back in the late 70s just to build models. Model cars, model planes. How many built models? When you, it was a big thing. If you ever built models, Benjamin Franklin, the, the five and dime store, Benjamin Franklin, um, they had a whole bunch of different models, dozens really of varieties, and you'd go there and you'd pick your model. And on the outside of the box, there was always an artistic rendering of the thing, but if you turned it, generally on the side, there was a picture of the finished model that was built by a professional model maker. Then you open this box up, and there are a gazillion parts in here, all on those little sprues, as they called them, that you had to carefully cut off. And you would build the model, and there was also instructions in there that kind of told you step by step how to do it. Now, I have to be perfectly honest. 
my models rarely looked like the one on the outside of the box. You tried, you had all the same pieces that that guy had, but you just didn't quite have the skills. And so it generically looked like what the box looked like, but not quite the same. But at least you knew what the model was supposed to look like, right? Because there's the picture. This is what it's supposed to be. Now let me ask you this. What are you supposed to look like here? You're on planet Earth. What is the perfect model here? What are you supposed to look like? How are you supposed to turn out? What is success in this life? The world holds up its successful people. Their names are familiar to us. Names like Alexander the Great, Napoleon, George Washington, Thomas Edison, Benjamin Franklin, Albert Einstein, Henry Ford. The list is quite extensive. Of course, Hollywood would throw in their top picks, and all the major sports would have their sports heroes, and all the music and art world would want to throw their people into the ring. And Time Magazine put out its man and woman of the year every year. But when you got this whole total list made up, it would represent what the world would claim to be the best of the best of 100 billion people. These are the best of the best. So which one do you shoot for? Are they even the right target? And if they are, how do you build the model if you don't have all the pieces? I'm sorry, but I do not have the brain power of an Albert Einstein. I cannot build that model. I do not have the music or athletic ability to build any of those guys. I wasn't born into a situation of world leadership. And how am I supposed to conquer the world from Runnels? It just can't be done. Now these would be puzzling and irritating questions. Because most of the models that are set before us have two sides, do they not? They have this good side, quote unquote, that's unattainable. I can't be as brilliant or as, as, as talented as that. I can't do that. They have this good side that's unattainable. And then they have this other side that is totally undesirable. So if you're pointing for these models, you think, what am I supposed to do? I don't have the pieces to build it. And I'm not sure I want that side. If, the only side I could actually come up with. But all of this confusion is gone in an instant with the scriptures. God's people don't sit around wondering, what am I supposed to look like? It's not even a question in our mind because we already have a model, the perfect model. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you right now, from the pieces, if you know Christ as your Savior, from the pieces that you have been given, you can be conformed to his image. The master builder can take up the job, and you can be exactly what you are supposed to be. We love the Bible. It tells us how to get to heaven, and it shows us what is expected of us. Here's the model that we're supposed to be, and how to get there. The third reason we love the Bible is because it instructs us step by step. It doesn't just give us the model and say, 
There you go, make, make it happen. It instructs us step by step. Life is so confusing, is it not? And there are so many twists and turns that you were not expecting along the way. And it's, it's no wonder in this world that people are often frazzled. It's also no wonder that people love the Bible. For in it, the instructions for life are given for every situation. I've told you this before, I'm sure, but it's such a helpful illustration uh, in my mind, and I think it could be helpful for you. It's been, I suppose, 20 years ago now, give or take. Heidi was sick. She'd been to the doctor. She had to have surgery, and some of you remember all of that. When that was all said and done, the bills started coming in, and many of you are familiar with that particular item in life. And all these bills started coming in. And so you're sitting there. You've done this before. You're sitting there with the bills in one pile and your check register in another pile. And the two just do not match up. And you're trying to figure out, how is this ever going to work? What am I supposed to do? There's no way to make this happen. And at that time, I had promised the Lord some money. I was going to give him, and it was a fairly large amount of money that I was going to give to the Lord. And so you might have done this once or twice in your life. I looked at the money that I had promised to the Lord, and I said something like this. Lord, you know how much trouble we're in right now. And you know there is no way through this. But Lord, you know that I promised that money. Would you mind if I would take that money... (laughs) and apply it to these bills and get myself out of the hole. And when I'm out of the hole, Lord, I'll make that back up. I won't ask for any show of hands of anybody who's ever done anything similar to that. But that's what I said. And I was considering doing it, and I could not get peace in my heart about that. So I open up the book and start reading. And here's what I read. Psalm 50, verse 14. Offer unto God thanksgiving, and pay thy vows unto the Most High. (laughs) Okay, that's pretty clear, right? And then what does it say? And call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. Can you get a clearer answer than that? (laughs) You've made a vow, so pay it. And when you're about ready to starve to death, which is what's going to happen here, then you're going to call on me, and I'm going to take care of it, and you're going to glorify me. And so you know what I did? I trusted what the Lord said. It was so clear. I mean, how can you, how can you miss that? And I took my piggy bank and went and bought groceries. And I cannot tell you at this moment how it all worked out, but we never lacked for anything Every single thing, the Lord took care of all of it, and it, we just came right through it like, like it was no problem whatsoever. And I'm standing here one more time. I've told this multiple times. I'm telling you one more time. I'm standing here fulfilling this verse, glorifying the Lord. That's what he said I would do. You're going to glorify me when this is all said and done. How much easier can it get? We have step-by-step instructions. Another time I was in a mess. You ever get into these situations that are kind of, messy and kind of irritating and someone had done something that was I thought was not really kind to me and I was getting ready to respond in what the teenagers call a snarky way do you understand what that means I was planning on being a little snarky in my reply 
And so I'm sitting reading my devotions that morning, and we actually read the verse this morning. I didn't realize that we read the verse this morning that the Lord used. It said, the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Now, how much clearer can it be than that? That snarky comment you're not going to make because that's not the way this is going to go. My friend, why do we love the Bible? Because it's so clear. It gives us such step-by-step instructions, these weird situations we don't know how to deal with in life. And we open the book, and step-by-step we are led on what we're supposed to do. It is no wonder that we love the Bible. We love it because it points us to heaven. It tells us what is expected of us. It gives us step-by-step instructions. Number four, we love it because it tells us where we're wrong. It tells us where we're wrong. When I was in college, I worked for a lumberyard. The second year, they moved me into the flooring department. And so I started selling flooring in their flooring department. I didn't know anything about flooring. And they moved me into the flooring department. This is why I don't trust anybody in any of those stores like that. Just, I'm just telling you, I work there. <laughs> Do your own research, do your own reading, and you'll understand why after I tell you what went on. They moved me to the flooring department, and they said, okay, here's how we're going to train you. You're going to go with, they had a flooring salesman in that department, you're going to follow him around for two, a day or two, and you're going to listen to him sell. Then for the next two days, he's going to follow you around and listen to you sell, and then you're on your own. That was the total extent of my training. So I followed him around for two days and listened to him selling. Time won't allow me to tell you all that. Um, (laughs) You want to know what these places are like, you can see me afterwards, I'll tell you. The next day, I'm selling. He's following behind me. And so the very first thing I sold was, I can't remember if it was carpet, it was sheet goods. It was either carpet or linoleum, or as they say in the neighborhood, we were in linoleum. You need some linoleum. So <laughs> I sold some linoleum and the glue to go with it. And after they left the uh, area, the guy, the salesman that was over me, he is about to lay on the ground laughing. And I said, what's wrong? He's laughing, he can't, he's laughing so hard he can't really stop. Finally, I said, what is wrong? He said, you just sold them ceramic tile adhesive for their linoleum. <laughs> My eyes got about that big around, and I said, well, what's going to happen? He said, they won't know for a couple of months. That was his answer. Man, I took off out of that department. I ran, and I caught the people at the register and told them the mistake that I'd made. He was just going to let it go. You know what? I like to know when I'm wrong. I was selling this stuff, and I was clueless that what I was doing was the wrong thing. You understand that? And I didn't want to do the wrong thing. That's the way I'm in much of my life. I don't want to do wrong. I don't want to bring shame upon the Lord Jesus Christ. But the fact is, I'm just so terribly clueless But you know what? I have to open this book. The words come out of here like a knife. And they cut clear down into the joints and marrow. 
clear down to the quick. They reveal things in me that I didn't even know were there. The thoughts, the attitudes, the desires, the deeds. And they're not revealed to torment and laugh at me. But to root it out and to change me. To conquer those things and to conform me to the image of Jesus Christ. That's why we love the book. Because it reveals, it tells me where I'm wrong. I can look at it so I can be right. I want to be right. And this book tells me how to be right. We love the book because it points us to heaven. It tells us what is expected of us. It guides us day by day. It tells us where we're wrong. Number five, we love it because it gives us a final authority. It gives us a final authority. There's several obvious things about the human race. One of the most obvious things about the human race is that we do not all think the same. We all pretty much look the same with the same basic makeup features, but we don't all think the same. If you don't believe me, then just this afternoon, find some public forum on the internet and make just a basic generic statement in that public forum on the internet and see how much you get beat up over the next 10 days. You'll have 5 million comments on this one basic statement of life that you think is just cut and dried. And buddy, it's not cut and dried in this world. Because everybody thinks differently. When you couple that with the effects that sin has, then you couple that with the effects of society, and you couple that with the effects of your own upbringing, the range of personal beliefs and opinions is staggering. Now, ask yourself, how is human society even possible in such a case? How is that even possible? How can we, as a a group of individuals who all think so totally differently, how can we even function in a society? Well, actually, it isn't possible. When each person is allowed to do exactly as they want in human society, it's not safe. Because there is such a variety that if everybody is allowed to do whatever they want to do, it cannot happen. There must be, at some level, a final authority. Now, if you think about our society, what is man's final authority to form a society in a country? In a country, the final authority will be the constitution of that country and its laws. And these, at least, between the laws and the constitution, bring the deeds of the society into some common ground, what is acceptable and unacceptable. This is how we form society. There's a problem with that, however, because the laws can be made by selfish men. History is full of that, laws being made by selfish men. Or they can be twisted out of shape by popular opinion, causing the final authority to be unjust. This also happens. But my friend, a Christian has in his possession the final authority. Not formed by the desires of a selfish man, but by a just God. A Christian is not left to a battle of opinions. He finds 
a blessed fact in a final authority. We don't have to battle out opinions and this opinion and that opinion. We have a final authority. Just as a, an FYI, the only reason why American society has benefited so long is most of our laws were based originally from the scripture and we have benefited from that. In a marriage, for instance, The actions in a marriage, the actions of a family, are not supposed to be controlled or determined by who can scream the loudest, who can cry the hardest, or who can pout for the longest. Sure, in a marriage there are differences of opinion. Where you have two people, you have at least two opinions. But it doesn't matter what the husband thinks, it doesn't matter what the wife thinks. For a Christian, it only matters what the book says. That's the authority. That solves our issues. Because it's not a battle of the wills here, people. It is an agreement that we have a final authority. In our homes, in our relationships, in our church, in our work, in our society. We know what is right. We know what is wrong. Not because of what we think but because of what God says. He is the final authority. And this is such a blessed position to be in. We don't have to be the geniuses. We just have to read what the book says. And we love the Bible because it points us to heaven. It tells us what is expected of us. It gives us, guides us, gives us, us guidance day by day. It tells us where we're wrong. It is our final authority. Number six, it brings peace to our hearts. We love the book because it brings peace to our hearts. I'm not sure if you know this by now or not, but we live in a world that's full of turmoil. Have you figured that out yet? We live in a world full of turmoil. It's a little more obvious now than it has been in recent years. But the fact of the matter is, the only history that this planet has is one of turmoil. Turn on the TV, listen to the radio, open your email, click on Facebook, read a blog, a newspaper, or a, a magazine. Try to think of any of today's media that doesn't cause you to be angry or nervous. Think of all the media sources that you have, all the information that can be brought into your world, and find, think of one that does not make you either angry or nervous. The world is full of anything but peace. And yet, I can sit down and open up this book, read just a little bit, and peace absolutely floods my heart. Yeah. I highly I recommend that you invert your intake. Do a lot less media watching and a whole lot more Bible reading. For it brings peace to our heart. It's not ignoring the facts. If I asked a question, who doesn't know that the world is full of evil? 
whoever would say, me, I don't know about that. We all know that the world is full of evil. We also know that evil people do evil things. If you're a student of old movies, but there's an old black and white movie called Meet John Doe. It's uh, Gary Cooper, I think, is that. Meet John Doe. And he's got a hobo friend. It's probably not a political correct word anymore, but he has a hobo friend. And his hobo friend says a classic statement. No, this is a black and white movie back in the day. And the hobo friend says, I know that the world has been shaved by a drunken barber, and I don't need the newspaper to tell me so. Isn't that the truth? We know the world's been shaved by a drunken barber. <laughs> Who needs to tell us that? Brother Lawrence used to say, I know what men are like, so I'm never surprised by the evil that they do. I'm always surprised that they don't do worse. The world will always be worldly. We should have no misconception about that. It is an evil world we live in. It's not sticking your head in the sand. You already know this. But for us as Christians, there is peace. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. My friend, life here for Christians is a lot like reading a Hardy Boy book. Remember reading the Hardy Boy book or the Nancy Drew series and all those? The Hardy Boys got themselves into such desperate situations. Oh boy, this is really bad. But when you're reading those, were you ever nervous? No, because you knew there was a whole set of them. They can't get killed here. <laughs> no matter how bad it is, they got to be in the next book. So no matter how bad this thing looks, they're going to make it through. My friend, is that not you and I? Sure. I have no doubt in my mind that we may have some very deep water to go through in the days ahead. Our path may not run through flowery beds of ease, as the old hymn writer said. But like Christian and his companion in Pilgrim's Progress found when they were crossing that deep river, one of them says, I have found the bottom, and it is solid. My friends, that's where we're at. No matter how this thing goes, we know what it's going to turn out. We know that no matter what dangers or hardships we are called to face in the days ahead, it's all going to turn out all right in the end. And we will sing the songs of the ransomed throng in glory. We read the book. And it gives us peace because we know when it's all said and done, everything is going to work out to the glory of God and to our benefit. We love the Bible because it gives us that peace. It points us to heaven. It tells us what's expected. It guides us day by day. It tells us where we're wrong. It gives us a final authority. And it brings that peace to our heart. Now, I don't think I told you anything that you didn't already know. God's people love the book and are familiar with those benefits. But now let's get to the point. You say, man, why? we only have four minutes here. It's a short point, but I want to make sure that you don't miss this point. 
Let me ask you a question. Do you just love a book? Did you know that that's possible? It is possible for you to just love the book. Some love the Bible for the mysteries that it contains, the numbers, the symbology, the prophecies. They study it like a historian might study an ancient artifact or a logician might study a secret cipher. They love the book for its mysteries. Now, these are things that God put in the Bible, but they are not an end of themselves. But some never actually get any farther than that. Some love the book because of the positive impact it has had. By following its precepts and its principles, life is made infinitely better. The way of the transgressor is hard. Like I said before, this country has benefited over its past 200 years because many of our laws were based in the principles of the Word of God. And some love the book because of the impact that it has in their life. Some love the book because of the great stories and the majesty of its words. And no doubt it is a classic piece of literature. But my friends, the Bible was not given with these as its primary purpose. The Bible was written to reveal God to us. And until we have fallen in love with our God, we have not let the Bible fulfill its one true purpose. Its purpose is to bring us close to God, to reveal Him to us. My first year of college, I was in college and Carol was here. And we made an agreement about writing back and forth and she wrote me letters every single day. I still have, I think, all of those letters in binders someplace in the garage in our storage. And I've got to remember to burn those before I die because I don't want those to fall into the hands of the kids. But if you've ever done this, you remember back in the writing of letter days, some of you are like, what is that all about? But if you can remember back in those days, each time I would open that mailbox at the school, my heart would burn as I pulled out that letter from the one love of my life. Those letters would not mean anything much to anybody else, but they sure meant a lot to me. Now, how foolish would I have been to fall in love with those letters? To study the paper and the ink the sentence structure, to marvel at the wording or the news from home. My friends, you know what those letters meant to me. They were read and they were reread. They were studied and they were prized, but only because they linked my heart with the one that I love. To love the letters and to not love Carol would have been the height of folly and stupidity. The book that you hold in your hand is a marvelous book. We are the beneficiaries of so many things. It is one of the great tangible gifts of God to man. Its importance cannot be exaggerated. 
but it was given to reveal God to us and to cause your love for Him to grow. If you love the book without loving God, somehow you have missed the point. Do you love God or do you just love the book?